Hey, this is Ginger. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilt and Tell podcast. Not only is this an episode we know you'll love, we have a special treat for you at the end. As soon as we wrap up our conversation, Spoonflower will bring us an interview I did with Andrea Sang Jackson, a quilt designer and textile artist from Nova Scotia, Canada. Andrea will tell us all about how her business got started, how she applies her background as an architect and engineer towards designing quilts, and how she uses Spoonflower to make it all happen. Spoonflower is a global marketplace connecting makers and consumers with artists worldwide. Spoonflower likes to say, if you can dream it, we can print it. With over 1 million designs curated from thousands of artists worldwide, you're sure to find exactly what you need for your next do-it-yourself project. So remember to stick around at the end of the episode for my interview with quilt designer Andrea Sang-Jackson. Brought to you by Spoonflower. Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilting. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy-Taddick. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode just for this season. Don't worry. <laughs> we have a wonderful show set up for you today. Uh, we have quilt enabler Debbie Brown from DebbieBrownQuilts.com. She is a national educator for Handy Quilter and an amazing quilting teacher. We know you are just going to love to hear from her. And in our fine finishes segment, we've got something really special for you. Um, Proptologist Jay Duckworth joins us. If you guys remember back when we did our um, Zoom Quilt and Bee, uh, we actually talked a little bit about these wonderful metals, um, sewing machine metals that you can put on your machine that say, this machine fought COVID-19. Jay is the creator of those, and he's actually going to come on And I think it's going to be the perfect sort of recap to what we've all been through in this last year. It's perfect ending to this season's episode. So all that being said, that's a very long opening. How are you, ladies? Doing good. Yeah, hanging in there. All right, doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, summer. It's hot here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We've been in the middle of a heat wave, and it has been hot. Um, Lori. You've had a few changes. Just a couple. Mm-hmm. I've had a few changes, yes. I retired. I'm no longer being editor of any of the magazines, but I have not retired from the podcast. Yay! So- Yay! We were so afraid the band was going to break up. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that's fun that I get to keep doing this. We've moved. We are living in the middle of Nebraska in a temporary home. It's a little two-bedroom mobile home. And um, I have, like, three-fourths of my stuff in storage. The fun thing is that we have found a house and we're expecting to close on it sometime in the next couple of weeks. And then I get to move to my real house, um, which is bigger than the house that I lived in in Colorado. I'll have a huge sewing studio and I'll have a wonderful garden. And we'll be living in the same town with one of our sons, which was part of the goal as we're getting older, 
it just seemed like a good idea. So there, was that, did I cover the bases, Tracy and Ginger? Yeah, you did. And, yeah. I, and I hope that we didn't give our listeners a little mini heart attack there. I know. Um, Not having you in the last episode. It was oh like, oh my gosh, we felt you, you were missed. <laughs> you were missed. And and is it okay if I say that, you know, we were sort of working on negotiating to make sure that you got to stay with us? No, it was scary. It was scary. Like, I, I was like, oh, no, this can't happen. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, heck no, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so... You're not going away easily. Sorry. We have too many listeners who that's their comment is that they want all three of us to keep doing the show. So, And it's fun for mm. for the three of us. It's fun. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. No, 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 no. They have to think it's work. Stop. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about the all y'all, but. You know, I, it's it's a lot of work for me. But, yes, we but, just get to have the fun, Lori. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's you guys get to just sort of come up, show up, and like talk to people and have fun, and it's awesome. So I love that. I love that. So, so we're so glad that you're still with us. Oh my yes. gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I'm glad your studio situation is only temporary that you're, you're, you're soon to be, you know, a uh, lifelong studio uh, is uh, on the horizon. I'm so glad to hear that. I do have one funny thing to tell you. I brought along to be in the temporary house, one machine and guess which machine decided that it didn't want to stitch properly last week. Oh, no. So my one and only machine that I have here available is in the shop. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. It's all right. It, it's the sewing gods oh. telling you, just relax. You'll get there eventually. That's right. <laughs> yes. And you can always vent to us. It's good. <laughs> That's right. That's true. So, Ginger, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? Uh, I've been in the studio, uh, like the filming studio. Um, I this whole entire month, I think every week I've had a production going on, and we just finished up a ten part series that I'm actually really excited about. It's for the sewing team, and it's called Stitch Lab. And I'm thinking uh, us three need to get together and come up with an idea um, because it's very similar. And really, yeah, it's, it's just a, a opportunity to go in and kind of teach these techniques, but then also for people who already know them, get in and experiment with them in a different way that they never had before. So I think there's a lot of potential for us. So we need to chat, ladies. So how does it work? Is it, do people send in questions or something like that? No, we basically just, we have a guest and it's actually uh, an extension of the Sew and Tell podcast, which is our sister podcast. Mm -hmm. And what they do is it's, uh, at least two of them are in each episode of the hosts um, that that we have for that podcast. And um, they have kind of a, they introduce the technique at the top of the show and just go through kind of the more traditional ways that that technique is used. And then they get into the experiment side of it. So they usually invite a guest in and will, you know, kind of get the guest to either show the way that they do it. It's really fun when we get a guest that doesn't know how to do the technique and they're learning it for the first time, even though they may be like a master sewer at something else. So it really just, it, it turned out really amazing and it was really fun. And I do feel like there's some quilting possibilities in there. So I'm excited to see if we can uh, extend something like that out. I love but it. Yeah. So I've been huh, just living and breathing on that and then still doing my block of wheat challenges. I think I'm on 
on week yes. eight going into nine. And um, oh my goodness, my daughter is just like uh, cracking the whip. Like, come on, mom, we got to get that out. Let's go. Let's go. So she's she's earning those pants and I'm, I'm inching away. I'm getting more followers. And so it's been a blast. And I'm in, I'm shocked at how much I'm learning cool. and just how much fun it's really been. Like it, it's one of those like, okay, it's Thursday night and I need to post it tomorrow and I'll stay up for like another hour and a half doing it. But I don't mind like for now. I don't know how long. Everybody keeps asking how long I'm going to do it. I'm like, well, until I just get sick of it, you know, but right now it's just been really fun to kind of learn the quilting techniques and then also just improve my uh, production skills. So that's been a blast. Cool. And so bef- uh, tell us your um, Instagram handle again, just in case. It's, yeah, it's GST Quilts and Sews. So Ginger Sheehy Tatic. So GST Quilts and Sews. Yeah. So right. uh, yeah, find me and uh, please friend, you know, follow me and uh, enjoy the videos. They're they're kind of fun. Like, I love I know, it. I like them. But I yeah, love so it. that's pretty much what I've been doing. <laughs> How I about love- you, Tracy? I know. What have you been up to? Um. So I finally gave baby Charlotte her Dresden plate quilt yesterday. Nice. It was so much fun. Um, She is finally starting to uh, be more alert. So she's still very much, you know, tiny, tiny baby. Um, But she was actually looking at all the colors and oh. I, and she gave me a smile. Oh, fun. Oh, that makes it all worth it. All worth it. It was <laughs> the best. Oh my gosh. So I love it. And so she's actually about to, um, to go on her first flight. Uh, she's about to fly to Germany so that, um, Annette, her mom. Whoa, that's a big first flight. <laughs> yeah. So Annette can go back and see her family for the first Aww. time in like a year and a half. Right. So, um, so she, I loved it because Annette said, uh, oh, I think this is the perfect size to bring on the plane. And I was like, nice. So, so that was really, that made my weekend really. And I, I washed it and, um, took it out of the dryer and it, you know, that like crinkly soft thing that had, oh, that's what happened. And so I loved it. So I was really, really happy with how it turned out and, um, so that's all that's all I can say. So other than that, just you know, my usual busy self trying to oh. get magazines off to the printer and and whatnot. So um so as as I speak about that, I sort of want to circle back to the last episode and the mm-hmm. fact that so Lori wasn't here, but we had Laura Koya on as a guest and she came on to talk about the traveling quilt case. And so I just wanted to check with you both and make sure that you're on board. And the fact that I think what we want to do is we're going to create a traveling quilt case amongst ourselves. We'll pass it around. And then I'm thinking that what we'll do is we'll raffle it off to a listener for them to continue on with the traveling quilt case. How's that sound to you guys? That sounds fun. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, no, it sounds great. I, I'm I'm totally in, and I just want to get it after you two, so I can pick through your goodies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, Lori, you did one, didn't you? I did, um, and it was a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. I went to Goodwill and bought an old beat up suitcase and loaded it up with uh, a a little. I don't know, 18 inch or so center medallion for a quilt and then mailed it to my sister, uh, filled up the rest of the suitcase with stuff because I was getting ready to move. Mm. So it was the perfect time. And anything I didn't think I for sure wanted, I'd throw in the suitcase for 
my sister and whoever she passes the quilt case to. It was fun. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And so for anyone who didn't, you know, hear that episode, the episode is called Read All About It. We had a Marie Bostwick as a guest and then Laura Coya was in the Fine Finishes segment. And um, basically the traveling quilt case is, is a, a, a suitcase that you fill with goodies and, and a quilt block or a started center like Lori did. And then you pass it on to one of your quilt buddies. They can take an item out to keep. They add to the quilt center and then they can add in some goodies for the next person. And then they pass it on to a friend. They can drop it off at someone's door. They can mail it to someone, whatever they like. I can't wait to do it with you guys. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a blast. And then to give it to one of our listeners, that'd be even even cooler. <laughs> yes. 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 I agree. agree. So are you guys ready to go and talk to Debbie? Oh, yes. Yeah, let's do it. I know. It. I, I just can't wait to talk about her. We've got a, I've got a little surprise for her, so oh, stay I tuned. <laughs> Welcome to our open studio segment. Today's guest is Debbie Brown from DebbieBrownQuilts.com. She is also a national educator with Handy Quilter and um the three of us just love her so much. So we can't wait for you to meet her again because she's actually been on the show before. Welcome, Debbie. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to hang out with quilters. Oh, we are so happy to have you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we are so excited to have you. I can actually remember the exact moment I met you, which was in Pittsburgh. And you had your Hello Kitty decked out car. Of course. And we connected We connected <laughs> at that moment as fellow lovers of Hello Kitty. It was meant to be. It was indeed meant to be. Um, but I sure would love to hear, I, I believe Lori has a fun story about how she met you. I do. Debbie and I met when I first started working in the quilting industry. Um, and I went to market. And she was a handy quilter educator, and I was supposed to interview her on film. First time ever for me to do that. I was so bad. <laughs> I doubt that. Come on. <laughs> and then the funny thing was that I went into it feeling fairly confident, saying, oh, Debbie's been around, and she'll, she'll just make me look good. Oh, it was Debbie's first time, too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was a little bit sad. I actually found it not too long ago on maybe on YouTube. And it's it's totally funny now. Totally funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to have to put that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. I, I was told that I'd be interviewed and your camera, um, your cameraman said, just put the cameraman, the camera on me and went, okay, go. And I went, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's when everything leaves your mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had no idea what to say. Uh, it was, it was uh, educational. <laughs> and we're both lots better. Sometimes you succeed and sometimes you learn. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Could only go up from there, right? <laughs> Pretty much. 
So yes, that was at Quilt Market in Kansas City. And I met Tracy at Quilt Market in Pittsburgh. And uh, we haven't met in person yet. No, I don't think we have. So we need it. We need a quilt market. Yes. Yes. No, we definitely. Uh, oh, it's supposedly coming. So yes, I have a feeling this might be the moment. <laughs> I can meet you face to face finally. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So Debbie, I usually start out by asking our guests about how they started quilting. So can you tell us that story? I started as a crafter. I've been knitting and sewing and needlepointing and cross-stitching since I could walk. Seriously, I was making my own clothes by kindergarten. I was making ball gowns whenever I was in junior high school. So I was always very crafty and into sewing. I wanted to make a quilt and I made a my first quilt when I was pregnant with my first child. And it was a cardboard box, cereal box template. (laughs) Five-eighths of an inch seam. Garment fabric. Traced around it with a ballpoint pen. Cut it with uh, my, my shears. Sewed it together. Uh, Used the thickest batting possible. Uh, A percale sheet on the back. Uh, tied it with embroidery floss, and I want to burn that quilt. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Oh, do you still have it? I do not have that one. Um, the second quilt I made is the same, and my mother still has that one, but I will burn that someday. <laughs> the uh, I, I, Yet again, it's like your interview. You can see how far you've come. <laughs> I've come. Well, uh, a hint for anyone wanting to go anywhere in the world, start low. Because you can, <laughs> you'll have tons of progress. Uh, and that just seems to be how I start out. Just, just start out and fail and everything looks good by comparison. <laughs> uh, whenever I was pregnant with my second child, I learned how to quilt for real from a neighbor. Aww. I learned about quarter inch seams and a rotary cutter and I never looked back. Oh, it's amazing when you get the right yes. tools, you know, and you know what you're doing. It makes a world of difference. <laughs> exactly. It was uh, it was a total game changer. And uh, I do remember not having a stash and I don't now stash my stash is a different problem that I have too much of one. Yes. Uh, but whenever I started, people were taking uh, pity on me and giving me fabric. And I need to meet people like that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm still in the pity on me stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we we are always trying to hook Ginger up whenever we can. <laughs> and I gladly take it. <laughs> so how did you make the jump from just being a quilter by hobby? and making it more of a career path? I followed my passion. Uh, I've always been more interested in the quilting than the piecing. Uh, Not that I'm not interested in the piecing, but the quilting, the texture, the line, um, the the depth, that's always been interesting to me. So I hand quilted. And I hand quilted for customers because going back, I was a a young mom who stayed home with her babies and couldn't afford quilting fabric. And uh, when I quilted for customers, then that was enough money to pay for fabric for myself. My customers all told me in the 90s, well, if you had a long arm machine, you could do my quilts faster. And I didn't know what a long arm machine was, so I bought one anyway. Um, (laughs) Now, there was about five years between the beginning and the end of that sentence. um, And it was the largest single purchase we'd ever made. Uh, We didn't even own a house yet. And 
I bought a long arm machine on faith in early 2000, Wow! knowing that the work would be there. And I've worked every day since. That's amazing. That is, that's great. And I was young then and stupid. So that means I was bold enough to start quilting for customers right away um, at the beginning of the quilting for customers phase. Uh, whenever they were like, wow, you can meander my quilt for me. That would be great. Um, now it's a little different where people will go and say, I want it to be look just like this on Pinterest. You're like, oh, mm. the quilt that just won the $10,000. Okay. Uh, maybe mm. that's a little, that's a little much to ask. Um, so I got into quilting at a good time. Um, really, really early on. Um, I taught myself how to quilt and worked for customers put a couple kids through college doing that wow. and started teaching at a local quilt shop. Um, a handy quilter manager was traveling through and met me there and I started teaching for handy quilter and then national and international quilt shows and on and on. That is so impressive. <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes, I sometimes think back to where I was at that time and I knew where I wanted to get to, but I didn't know how to get there, if that makes sense. Um, so it always impresses me um, how uh, you were such an early adopter of the technology. I was an early adopter of the technology, but I wasn't, um, I didn't do it all alone. Um, I, you know, I bought the machine. I had um, the emotional support of my local quilting community. I had the business support of my local quilting community. They all wanted me to finish their quilt tops for them. <laughs> um, finding quilt classes was much more difficult in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, we were on AOL dial-up. There was no YouTube. There were not major quilt shows with uh in-depth machine quilting classes at them. So I took a machine quilting class from um, Sherry Rogers Harrison. Mm -hmm. And she was my, my first, actually the only long arm teacher I've ever taken a class with. And in my very first class with her, I knew that I didn't want to be a long arm quilter for hire. I wanted to teach people how to teach, how to quilt. Because if I could make other people feel the way that she made me feel, then that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to pour courage into them so that they could uh, go and quilt their own quilts. And that's, it took several years and a lot of trial and error to get there, but that's, that's the journey I'm on. Well, and I love the way you described your uh, teaching philosophy. So tell us what that is. Oh, my, my quilt classes are like a warm cookie and a nap and a hug uh, <laughs> because machine quilting is so scary for so many people. Yes. Um, I teach machine quilting on home sewing machines and on stationary long arms and on long arm machines. So for me, quilting is quilting. It does not matter the equipment, um, but it is the scary part of quilting for most people. And I, um, I need to make sure that it's a very calm and peaceful and fun and relaxing environment instead of, no, you're doing it wrong. Um, in my classes, the only thing you can do wrong is draw blood. Other than that, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a try it. Why not? Let's see what happens. And mm -hmm. after thousands of students and thousands of classes, um, I love it. I, I, I love it. I miss it. Um, I can't wait to teach in-person classes again soon. Um, and virtual classes are great. And however I can stay connected with quilters, I want to do that. Yeah, I think we all found a, a solution. But 
I think being in person is just, it, it's, you know, there's no substitution. There really isn't. And I think we're all going to be so excited to get back to that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious how much starting so young and starting when the industry itself was was young as far as uh, long arm quilting and things like that, how much that played into it. Because I being a little bit older now and getting into quilting, I don't know if I'm as brave as I was when I was younger. Do you think that had a, a lot to do with it? Definitely. If I were this age now, I would take, oh, I I couldn't possibly quilt for somebody else. Um, All the things that could go wrong. I was young and bold and fearless. Um, And it was also a good time in the industry because the standards um, were very different. Uh, Machine quilting was wrong in the industry. If you you were a serious quilter, you'd be a hand quilter, which I was. Um, So machine quilting was already wrong. Yeah, already breaking the rules. (laughs) Correct. That's the joy of being young, though. <laughs> it's like you don't think uh, about it and you don't care. And then you get correct. older and you start to care and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> right. Well, that's a lot of what I do when I teach is to remind people that the only people who really notice if that loop is exactly the same as the loop next to it is the person who put it there. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Yep. Our own worst critics. <laughs> Definitely. You know, and it's funny because I'm now getting to the point where I think I've mentioned on the show before that my daughter is like my biggest like supporter. She's always like, why are you stressing, mom? I can't see that mistake from there, you know, from here or wherever, you know. And now she's starting to be really super critical of like her artwork. And so I'm trying to give it back to her and be like, I can't see that mistake from here. Like, let it, let the paint dry and then see how it looks and, and that kind of stuff. And I think everybody needs that, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. My husband used to say, you'll never see it from a galloping horse. And, and it's, it's, it, true. it's so true when you take a quilt top <laughs> and you have all the quilting done and there's one spot over here that's not quite perfect. You won't notice that when you've got the whole quilt to look at. I refer to that as when viewed from a polite distance. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. It's true, though, because I feel like Mm -hmm. where our nose is so close to our work as as we're quilting, as we're doing whatever step of the way, Mm -hmm. um, every time I have finished a quilt and put it, I I try to put it aside or even while I'm working on it, I try to put it aside and at least wait a day before I freak out because... Uh, nine times out of 10, I come back the next day and I'm like, oh, hey, that doesn't look as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, that very first quilt class that I took, I was the student no one wanted to be next to in class. Um, I went to, everyone was quilting. I'm like, oh, you're all so good. And I'm so terrible. And I could never be like you. And I should never have bought my long arm and I could never do this. Um, don't you want to spend the whole day quilting next to me? (laughs) So we went, we broke for lunch and then we went back to the sewing machines and I pointed at this one piece of quilting. I said, see this, this is what I was talking about. If I could quilt like this, I could die happy. And all the people around me started laughing because I had pointed to my own work. (gasps) That's so cool. You're kidding. But I had walked away from it. 
and then walked back to it with normal eyes instead of hypercritical mm-hmm. eyes. Yep. Um, so I remember yep. being, um, I remember what it was like to learn and I remember being super critical. And now my work is not perfect. I don't, it's not even a goal of mine for my work mm-hmm. to be perfect. My goal is for my work to be enjoyable while I'm doing it mm-hmm. and for it to not fall apart when I'm done. That's it. Yeah. I have pretty low standards. <laughs> You're pretty good at what you do. I'm just going to. I'm pretty good at what I do, but I am not going to rank as one of the best quilters in the world. It's not my goal. Um, there are some amazing, amazing quilters out there. Mine is to finish a quilt, have fun making it, and then hopefully teach others while I'm doing it. Those are my goals. Um, perfection is not even in the top 10 things I'm going for. But I remember what that felt like. And I try to keep that in the front of my mind, knowing that that's what my students Mm -hmm. are thinking of while they're quilting, that they're going through this serious mental turmoil Mm -hmm. just to come into the class. Yep. And and just forgetting that it takes time. I Mm -hmm. think that that getting that through your head, I think, is the hardest thing is just realizing that all those hours you put into it, you know, it pays off. And before you know it, you're just like, oh, no, I'm doing it now. So I think just keeping that in the back of your mind and then... Mm -hmm. I, you know, to this day though, I am the worst when it comes to pointing out my own mistakes and I hate Mm -hmm. that. I've got to stop it. Like I just, I'm always the first person to be like, oh, but I wish I'd done that better or that better. And I'm not doing that anymore. Those are words that need to stay inside your own head. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something everybody does though. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Like it's amazing to me, the people who point out mistakes. I mean, I think that the people who don't have been working on it for so long to get to the point where they don't feel the need to point out a mistake. Mm -hmm. Or they're well-practiced enough to control it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think instead, let's let's become like the humble braggers and be like, look at how awesome that loop is. And look at that one. And look at that one. You just have to kind of, you know, shift your perspective. And instead of pointing out the mistakes, point out the really awesome stuff. Right. When people look at the, my quilt and they go, oh, that's amazing. I'm like, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that. Oh, my gosh. And I can tell you where the, I can tell you which corner is not proper. I can tell you what where the tension's slightly off. I know all of those secrets. But yeah, it's great. Thanks. So I've been I've been sharing this um, baby quilt that I've been working on for a while on my Instagram page, and um, and so the problem that that happened with it was I worked on three different sewing machines as I was making it. So while I tried to make it as you know as as perfect as possible because I'm a perfectionist, um, it's far from it. Like the seams are different, and oh my god, Tracy, it's beautiful. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Well, and then I, I luckily that, you know, you guys know that the Capri was in the studio Mm -hmm. and Vanessa let me know that it was like she, where she put it. And she was like, if you want to play on it, you can just as I was getting ready to quilt it. So I, I started playing on it. I had to learn a little bit about, you know, how to set the tension and all of that. It's a little different on, on the, the handy quilter Capri. Um, but I was having so much fun and I totally was thinking of you, Debbie, as I was working on it, but there were big circles because it's a Dresden plate that were applicated in the center. And I decided to do sort of a big swirl because I know how to do swirls, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't done swirls in a really long time. So they're far from perfect. But I was like, okay, it'll be fine. It's a baby quilt. Like this is going to be pooped on and spit up on. And that's <laughs> all, you know, it just needs to hold together like you said. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> like Debbie said, it just needs to stay together when they wash it, right? So. I get home after I I finished it all and I'm feeling super self-conscious about those swirls. And Sydney zeroed in and was like, those swirls are 
awesome yes. mom. And I was, I just was like, thank you. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> You're like, why? Well, yes, they are. <laughs> so I'm practicing. I'm, I'm practicing, like just saying thank you and just not pointing out that they're not perfect, but it's, it's hard, you know? We all need cheerleaders like that. Yes, right? It's true. <laughs> well, that's what I have you guys for, so. <laughs> Hi, it's Ginger. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Quilt and Tell podcast. I wanted to remind you to stick around at the end of the episode as Spoonflower presents a special interview I did with author, educator, and quilt designer Andrea Sang-Jackson. Andrea will talk about how she uses digital tools to design quilts, keeping in mind all the personal ways quilts integrate into our lives. She'll also tell us how working with Spoonflower, a global marketplace which connects makers and consumers with artists, has been such a benefit to her as a quilter. Spoonflower is revolutionizing the textile industry through their on-demand digital printing technology and eco-friendly, sustainable, and scalable manufacturing process. Spoonflower's happiness guarantee. When you love it, we love it. So stay tuned at the end of the episode for my interview with quilt designer Andrea Sang-Jackson. Brought to you by Spoonflower. So so I kind of want to circle back, Debbie, to um, a, a funny thing that happened because, I mean, you know, I think your quilting is absolutely stunning. You blow me away all the time. But there was this one day that you were on Instagram. You posted a picture of a simple quilt that you were doing and you had side-by-side squares that one square was quilted, the other was not. And so the not quilted square, of course, puffed up and the and it was just such a clear, clear option. So luckily, like I commented and was like, wow, that is such a good visual. And you luckily were like, oh, hey, you keep asking me to write for you and I'm available. And so you're actually now going to be in the next issue of Quilt Maker. I am. And I'm so excited because I, I just, we're about to ship that issue to the printer. So it'll be ba- out in a about a month. So by the time this podcast launch launches, if our listeners are interested, you just need to wait about a week or so and you'll be able to get your issue. But it came out so great. So we picked a pattern um, that you would put in the magazine. And then you also wrote an article about how to quilt said pattern um, block by block. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I try to write the way that I speak, and then I realize I do not speak in a way that works in sentences. <laughs> but whenever I was writing the article, I was picturing how every quilter would quilt it differently and how every quilter would be correct in the way that they quilted it. There's no one right way to quilt a quilt. You can take one thread color in a single pattern and quilt the entire thing. Because again, the goal of quilting is to hold three layers together. Uh, You can also quilt it block by block. You can quilt it square by square. You can do a completely contrasting pattern. Um, And I, I tried to give examples and visuals of different ways to quilt the same quilt many different ways as a different quilter would do and why they might have chosen to quilt to, to quilt it that way um, because uh, maybe they were timid and only knew how to do one type of quilting mm-hmm. or uh, were more experienced or 
this was the quilt of a lifetime to them. So they really wanted it to, uh, to be stellar. So there are a lot of different reasons that quilters will choose different patterns. Um, and some of them are for the quilt, some of them are for the recipient, and some of them are for the emotional needs of the quilter. <laughs> like, I'm, yes. I'm feeling very timid today. I need to do something very safe. So I'm going to stitch straight lines with my walking foot. And that's good, too. Yeah, yeah. But that's most days for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ginger, I think that this article is going to really sort of give you some more ideas. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm really fascinated with the whole block by block. I think because yeah, I am. I, I just feel like that, that starting that way doesn't seem as intimidating, but I don't know. I may be wrong. <laughs> oh no. The way Debbie wrote it, I just feel it's not intimidating at all. Nice. Um, yeah, it's machine quilting is really teaching machine quilting is very, very challenging for my fragile self-esteem because I will walk in and people will look at my quilts and go, oh, my word, you're amazing. <laughs> and then by the end of class, everyone's like, I can totally do that um, because they discovered that I just don't do anything that's that difficult. Oh, so it's like you're sharing your superpower every time. Yes. You know? It's like, oh, great. Now everybody has the superpower. <laughs> Correct. But that's a good thing. It is. I, I really want to get a hold of whoever it is that started the rumor that machine quilting was hard and only a few people were allowed to be good at it. Yeah. Mm. That really yeah. sort of drops my perspective. I'm going to shoot you guys an image real quick. Um so that you can see what what we're talking about here. Um, and it'll show a little bit about how amazing Debbie is. Do you guys have your phone next to you? I do. Take a quick look. <gasps> oh, it's beautiful. That is so pretty. Oh, my goodness. It's pretty. <gasps> is that on the cover? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. yes. Oh! <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, it's gorgeous. Didn't it come out great? Oh, it's so pretty. Oh, it just looks like it was made to be there. I haven't seen it for so long. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right? And see, don't you see that your quilting is freaking amazing? Ah. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's pretty. <laughs> oh, I feel like I can't get close enough. Like, I want to see more. I'm like, oh, yes, I know. You want to zoom yes. in? I know. It's gorgeous. I can't wait to see it actually printed. So, yes. um, congratulations on being a cover girl. Thank you very much. I'm a cover girl. Yes. You are. You are. So I'll I'll send you an image that you can share once it's safe to share online. But um, and for all of our listeners, um, I'll drop the image in to the show notes anyway because I can. Um, <laughs> so so congratulations, and I'm just Thank so you. glad that you were able to join us today. I would love to give you an opportunity to promote um, anything you'd like to promote your classes, online classes, anything you like. Oh. I have been busy for the last year and a half working on online classes. So from the first moment that I started uh, recording or uh, teaching on video with Lori 10 or so years ago back in Kansas City, uh, I have taught online for um, for Craftsy and other, other online entities. And then I've started filming my own classes. So it's been a, it's been a, an evolution. And I was a little ahead of a lot of uh, 
teachers. And I was very grateful that I already had experience filming online and editing my own work. So I could just pick up and take the classes I was planning on doing in person and uh, filming them and putting them online. And what I've discovered is that when I teach online, there's one drawback is that I, I can't touch your hands and say, push your hands a little harder or lighten up a little bit. But the benefit of teaching online is students can watch it again and again and again. They can get a great up close view more so than they would if they were at a show watching it once. Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever I teach, I teach um, practice with a purpose patterns. So whenever I teach a technique, I give a project to make to go with it, to make to give you something small and not intimidating um, to practice your quilting on instead of just taking a blank piece of fabric or saying, oh, I don't re really need to stitch it. No, you really do need to stitch it um, because I've learned over 15 years of teaching what order to teach in and that this builds on that builds on this. So I have some online classes that um, you know, first steps to free motion quilting. And this is for home machine quilters who are afraid to press that foot pedal down and move the fabric. How hard do I push the fabric? What about the needles? What do I do about the threads? So I highly recommend this course. Um, it has been tested by um, hundreds and hundreds of students who have had great success with it. Um, I followed that up with um, threads, needles, batting, and tension, just learning about the foundations. Oh, my. <laughs> and thread needles batting attention. Oh my, exactly. And also um, machine quilted feathers. And that is for, that class is geared for home machine quilters as well as stationary long arm quilters mm -hmm. and long arm quilters. Because again, quilting is quilting. Mm -hmm. uh, once you're over those, just the basics of using a foot pedal and how hard to push it and things like that. Um, so the feather class is incredibly robust. Uh, it is in 10 lessons that you can watch um, in any order you want, as many times as you want, there's patterns, um, that go with it. I think there's, uh, nine patterns, 10 lessons, four hours of machine quilting instruction, plus downloadables and things like that. You can watch them again and again. And I have an online Facebook group to join for your questions. Um, and I do not think I'm going to stop doing that no matter as we go back to in-person learning, I think I'm going to continue with the online learning because some people have trouble getting mm -hmm. to events, um, either due to expense or physical condition. Some people learn better in the privacy of their own home. Mm -hmm. um, so it's I, I will continue doing this regardless of whether or not I'm teaching in person. Uh, I, I really think it's a it's a good tool. And almost, I'm kind of the warm up act for most other teachers out there. Uh, because a lot of times, if you take a machine quilting class, uh, they're going to teach you their technique. But if you don't know how hard to push that foot pedal, the class is completely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So that first steps to, to free motion quilting um, will give you the foundations to then take any other class you like. <laughs> I was just thinking that the first um, long arm class I ever took was with Lisa Sipes. Oh, she's intense. Oh, oh, yeah. Super talented. Super talented. But oh, my God, I was terrified. And I took the class because I knew her. Um, and and she was a she is a dear friend of mine. But um, I I was completely in over my head. I did had never touched a long arm before. So, you know, starting with like 
her her version of feathers. Really not not incredibly helpful. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Not the best place to start, I'm sensing. (laughs) Yeah. Remember what I said about a warm cookie and a nap? Yes. 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 Clearly I should have started with your class. Clearly. And I like and the fact, can. I feel like, I feel like what's great, especially now that we're sort of, things are opening up and classes will be in person, taking a class with you and then supplementing Going it with person, your online yeah. class so that they can take you home with them. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. what a great, you know, I don't know what the word is, like combination. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you have a beach house, you could take me home with you for real. <laughs> <laughs> I will make that generous offer to people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Debbie, for joining us. We're so excited that you were able to spend some time with us today. We miss you. I missed you. And thank you for my surprise. Today. I was trying to figure out how to like send you send it to you. So I'm glad it technology worked out. <laughs> Yay. Yes. And congratulations again. I'm so excited to be working with you on Quilt Maker. And I hope that you'll you'll write for me again. And um, yay. Thank you. Thanks. We'll keep in touch. Welcome to Fine Finishes. Um, those of you who have been longtime listeners and joined us on our Zoom meeting earlier this year, Uh, may remember that I actually shared a story that I put into the March issue of Quilt Maker magazine. It was about a a person who was creating medals for sewing machines to commemorate 2020 and the pandemic. So I would love to welcome uh, proptologist Jay Duckworth to the show. Hello, Jay. Hi, how are you guys? We are good. Um, I decided that I really wanted to have you on the show today because um, my article didn't really completely do justice to you to you and your story. Um, I and I'll I'll go back. So so it was December first. <laughs> this this is how most fairy tales start. I love this. I know. I know. Okay. So, so it was December first. It was a cold winter evening. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll do it that way. Okay. So, imagine Golden, Colorado, December first. It was a cold wintry evening. I was laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, when I decided to open up my Instagram. As I was scrolling along, an ad popped up. And I didn't know what I was looking at. It was a bronze coin. And for some reason, I scrolled past it, stopped, went back to it to figure out what it was. It was a medal that Jay had created to commemorate that my that a sewing machine had fought COVID-19. And I was so intrigued that I stopped everything and sent Jay a message via Instagram and was praying that he would see it. When I woke up at 6 a.m. the next morning, December 2nd, um, he had already responded and gave me his email address. So 
what ended up transpiring was I um, set up a call with him and we spoke for a little while and I got the background story to what this metal was. And I went to the office that day to talk to my editorial director, Denise, and we literally were days away from shipping the magazine off to the printer. And I said, is there any way that we can get one page, squeeze one page somewhere in this magazine issue um, to talk about this metal? And she loved the story so much that she she rearranged things so that I could do and and she had to do the whole layout. I had to get all the pictures, get the story, do everything with Jay and um, make it work within days. And so we shipped it off to the printer like within the week. It was crazy. Oh, so Denise still talks to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she liked it so much that I ended up, he ended up sending me three medals and I gave her one because Aww. she was so kind to do that for me. So Jay, let's go back since it, you know, I'm only going back to December 2nd. I'd love for you to tell everyone the story of, you know, your background and how, what was happening for you being in New York City? Well, I live in Queens, Queens, New York. And what was going on, and I teach at Pace University uh, in the theater department. I'm a prop master, and I also worked at the public theater. And um, when COVID hit, we stopped teaching in the classroom, and I started teaching online. And then the theater was just like, everybody's go, everybody has to go home. We've got to shut down. And as soon as everybody, the, 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 the call went out for people to start making uh, masks and making uh, medical gowns and everything because everybody was so short, every maker that I knew, so it's not just the costume people, it was prop people, it was uh, people who were craftspeople, were just working themselves to the bone. Uh, all some like a lot of the shops that were that were just uh, prop shops and uh, uh, costume shops took the they would take Ubers in get the uh, sewing machines out of those shops they would just distribute them so people could make masks because we were getting so many there I'm I'm sorry to have to say this but the ambulances stopped running their sirens because there were so many bodies being taken to the hospital near us. And, and I was in such shock and I thought back to the Rosie, the Riveters, uh, because my grandmother worked in an office during the war. And as soon as the, the men came back from the war, she was, she was out of a job. And the vast majority of these people who were again stepping up and again, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry, taking time out of their downtime and this time that is when everybody is scared to help people they've never met and just get the work done. And uh, as a prop master, 
everything I feel has its own spirit to it. I mean, if I gave you, uh, I worked on Hamilton and uh, if I gave you the guns from Hamilton, you could feel the energy in those things or, um, you know, something from fun home or uh, the dagger from Romeo and Juliet. And I thought people are going to sit down at these machines when this is over and not really realize how many lives that people worked on these machines helped save. And to me, I, it was, it was just, I felt like I had to do something and uh, I wanted to do something. And I started making them up for uh, all the costume people that I, uh, that I knew. And then I just started uh, giving away to other people. And then it just became too expensive for me to give away. (laughs) And, uh, but I've been still giving up. I'm still giving away. I, I just reached over the 600 uh, mark. Uh, so I sell the ones on my store, which also uh, help. Uh, I get my Etsy shop, but those also help give let me give those away to groups in Seattle or uh, New York City or down in Atlanta. You know, people who've just been giving. So, so that's what it was from because I, I, I thought about all the Rosie the Riveters who stood up and we don't know who they were because when the war stopped, no one talked about it. So, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, and I also wanted it, the design that's on it is a design that a, uh, I can't remember the artist names, but she was one of the designers for, uh, one of the uh, bigger hospitals in Atlanta and uh, it is of um, uh, uh, I can't remember the God, but he's, he's preventing uh, death. He's holding back death, the, like with the sigh and the, uh, uh, the sickle and like the skull and everything. But uh, yeah, so that's, and so I use that as a thing. Uh, it looks like the artist is Julian Hoke Harris. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's Julian. Her. Julian Hoke Harris is the artist. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And it's such a beautiful design. And listening to you tell the story makes me shiver. Now you guys understand why I wanted to have him on the show so that he could actually tell. Oh. Yeah, I, I wanted you to hear the the words from him because I felt like it had such powerful meaning for me as he was talking and we were talking about this over over zoom back in you know last winter i um had goosebumps standing up on me because my grandmother was one of rosie the riveter she actually worked in the shipyard in new york city and i thought about how now i'm gonna get all choked up but um i thought about how they women were just they were just sent home they all the people that were back home when the men came back they took back their jobs and and it gave me a feeling so jay i just want to thank you because you gave me a feeling even though i i think i i made maybe 125 masks um we were busy working here and trying to like boost people's spirits uh using craft and using our patterns and and using our podcast to sort of do a weekly show so that people had something to lift their spirits and um i just wanted to thank you so much because you were just your your simple thought that that our machines our sewing machines were important um 
made me feel like our work had meaning um, and that what we did was important. And I feel like my machine is like a, a, a member of the family and I don't honor it correctly. And it made me really take a step back and like, oh my gosh, I have not been honoring this machine. And yet no matter how much I shove through it, it keeps going. So thank <laughs> you for reminding me to thank it. <laughs> well, also, I mean, how, how many of us have, have handed down our machines from, got from our mothers or from, or handing it down to our kids because uh, they're going to know. Like we don't know who who helped out in the Spanish flu, right? And they were making masks too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and so I think I think the people who sit down at that will will have more of a connection, and will remember because it's it's not only the machines, it's the makers, because whenever crisis happens, it seems that the people who are the most creative, and that that are, are the mo- you know, and the makers are the most empathetic to the people around them because they know want and they know comfort and how to, how to give comfort, you know? So Jay, so if any of our listeners would like to purchase metal from you, I'd, I'd love for you to uh, give them the address of their Etsy shop. We'll also drop the link into the show notes page. Oh yeah. It's uh it's the proptologist. <laughs> Uh, and which is, which is <laughs> when I started out in theater, that was the name that I used, uh, proptologist just because it, it, uh, you know, there was no internet or anything. So I needed some kind of a way for somebody to catch it, you know, <laughs> just to, you know, see it and hear it. I love it. I love it. Um, and, and actually before we go, I also want you to, um, tell us about what you're doing on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Uh, so if this is uh, well, we'll make this as quick as possible. Uh, I'm a 53 year old, 350 pound bald man that you know not anybody's cup of tea. But uh, I have over 325,000 followers and over four million likes. And I, all I'm doing is just basic things from theater. I'm explaining theatrical props. And when June started, I started uh, showing how wool, how, how fiber was used in, in early civilization. And a bunch of people, I saw, I started teaching how to spin wool. And I even made, a, I 3D printed a, uh, a spindle. And made it public so people could th- uh, download that as well from Thingiverse. And uh, people have been getting back to me. And there's a group out in Hawaii who's a stitcher group who featured a couple of the TikTok videos that went on Instagram. But it's it's great because it's getting people back into uh, the basics. You know, things that when you walk away, you know you've done something. And this is something that we have done for the last 10,000 years. Amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. And I'm kind of mad. I'm still paying off my theater degree that I got when I could have just gone to TikTok and learned from you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well, I always tell people the second second most important invention that separated us from Neanderthals is the needle. Because we could have form-fitting clothing. And that is what made the entire difference. We could also do nets. 
and we could also do rope. So it changed us as as a species, mm-hmm. you know. So and that's 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 what I think is just uncanny that we're still doing it today and still doing the not work and and you know all of those things that are magic, literally. I love that. You hear that, ladies? We're, mm-hmm. we're we, what we do is magic. I love magic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for letting me tell my story and share it with everybody. Um, And let's don't be strangers. Okay. Sounds good. I agree. Thank you so much, Jay. (laughs) I I will, I will link to everything in the show notes and Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us today. You are the best. All of you. Thank you. Hi, it's Ginger from the Quilt and Tell podcast. Spoonflower is pleased to bring you this interview with quilt designer Andrea Sang-Jackson. While you're listening, be sure to visit www.spoonflower.com to see all the quilting substrates in their marketplace. Now, as promised, Spoonflower presents my interview with Andrea Sang-Jackson. She's a textile artist, a quilt designer, author, educator, based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, and she's a Spoonflower ambassador and a really amazing follow on Instagram. Hi there, Andrea. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yes, we are so excited to have you here today, so I'm just going to dive right in. Tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and what kind of work do you do? So I do a lot of things. As an artist, I think we are used to wearing many hats. I create quilt designs for other quilters to make. I teach technique and design as well with quilters, but I also have an art practice that is more exploratory. I've worked in animation recently, collaborating with a weaver and I've collaborated with musicians on art projects, as well as I am my own business development team and marketing manager. So there's a lot of things that I do as an artist. So taking all of that and having that background, how did you get involved in quilting? Like a lot of people, we turn to quilts to mark occasions. So first babies and weddings. So I was expecting my first baby in 2011. And through my design and architecture background, I thought I had the skills to design my own quilts and make this quilt for my baby. And so I did. And I didn't know anything. I was pretty naive about everything, but I managed to make a quilt and it's still a quilt. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't fallen apart. That's good. (laughs) And so with my second baby and my second quilt, I discovered a bit of my voice. I started using more solid fabrics and taking an approach that was decidedly modern. It was not a traditional grid of blocks with sashing and borders. It was a lot freer in terms of its Even though I was still using square blocks and I was using a traditional hourglass block, although at the time I had no idea what that was, but I really felt that there was something I could say in this medium. It's so funny. It's interesting because I have met so many quilters through the podcast that have, you know, engineering or architecture type backgrounds. How do you think that influences uh, when you're doing quilts? I studied architecture in a time where we were turning to digital means to design. So I'm very fluent. I guess I would call myself a design digital native. I grew up in my adult years learning to design on the computer. So this is very key to the way I work and drafting and understanding geometry and form is really key to the way I design quilts. Also, I really do think about quilts in spaces and how we use them how they might hang on a wall, how they might drape on a bed, and how they integrate into our lives in a very practical way. At the same time, kind of reflecting your personal style 
as well as holding meaning for you. Yeah, it really seems like a great way for somebody who has that engineering type mind to be artistic. Yeah, it, it really makes it easy to flow from an idea to uh, a tangible thing. You know, sometimes we can have these bright ideas and inspiration, but translating them into a physical form, there is a sometimes a block there. But having the tools to use and the way to make that shift is really helpful. Let's dive into your business. Give us a short little synopsis about your business. So I started designing quilts in 2016. I made a set of gemstone wall hangings, which are very geometric. When I was showing them for the first time at a local craft show, I mentioned architecture or that had an architecture background. And people were like, oh, I definitely see that in the way that she quilt. The geometry is very strong in visually in my work. So at that same craft show, actually, quilters were coming by and asking if I had patterns to sell. And so the following year, I released my first gemstone patterns. And then from there, I wrote a book on the same topic with Lucky School Media. And from there, I decided to continue to design patterns because, again, drafting the patterns and understanding how quilts go together was pretty natural to me. An architect designs something, comes up with an idea, designs something, but doesn't actually build it with his or her own two hands. They are coming up with instructions, verbal instructions and diagrams for somebody else to build something. And that's exactly what a quilt pattern is. I'm not there to help you make the quilt. I have to make sure my instructions are clear. The visuals are clear so that I am setting you up for a successful quilting experience that you will enjoy thoroughly and enjoy the quilt or gift it to somebody who really appreciates it. So besides having the geometric shapes with the gem designs that you do, the colors are just amazing too. How does color play into all of that? That's a really funny question because I have this dual color personality, I find. I really tend towards neutrals for myself. So if I am decorating in my space like the the most color I go towards is like navy which is not much of a color I do like gold as well and and, and, um, mustard yellow but in terms of my own personal style in in my life I that's what I tend towards is like neutrals and navy and, and yellow but in my quilting I find that color has such a way of speaking to people on such an emotional level it can bring us joy it can bring us happiness it can evoke sadness. And so I really like delving into the theory of it and also helping people to understand how to use color with confidence in the way that they quilt. So in the gemstone book, I talk about transparency and how to achieve those effects and kind of in a logical way, but also understanding that some people can come to those conclusions intuitively. And then other people really need very formulaic ways of thinking about color to be able to achieve the effect that they want. And so it's really through teaching that I explore a lot of color because I really do think that anybody can put together a good color palette or a good fabric pull if they have the right steps to follow. So, you know, it sounds like you started out as a hobby almost. And then how has that matured into something that you really are enjoying and making a living off of? When I started designing patterns and when I had my first craft show, it was a very focused effort that I did want it to be an income. It wasn't a hobby once I started doing that. And so I took that quite seriously. And I was thinking about what it would take to become a full-time artist and a full-time designer and, and this be my entire job. And I worked towards that. I think that, you know, there hasn't been a path that is very straight. I take on projects that I want to take on and feel passionate about. And that's 
kind of my business plan. It's, it's not a very good business plan. I would not recommend it to anybody. But at the same time, <laughs> in terms of the freedom that I have to control my time, to take on projects that speak to me, and be able to continually evolve as an artist and learn and grow is really what takes priority and leads my business. So you're a Spoonflower ambassador. Well, one, tell us a little bit about how you became a Spoonflower ambassador and then explain Spoonflower because it really is kind of a different experience when it comes to fabric. So Spoonflower is a different kind of fabric company. You can search their marketplace for any sort of surface pattern. So if you are really interested in cats, you can search cats and it will populate probably thousands of designs of cat fabric. And then you can have those printed on several different substrates. So if you are a quilter, then you might be looking at quilting cotton. If you are a quilt artist, you might be looking at something like a chiffon or even a lawn and something, some other substrates that might be of interest to you. If you're an interior designer, you might be looking at some upholstery fabrics or heavier weight fabrics. So basically you're telling me is that I can have a quilt, a upholstered chair, and an outfit that all match. Correct. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I love just the thought of that. (laughs) And so there are thousands of artists that upload their designs and you have this marketplace that is huge that you can select fabric designs from and have them printed on the substrate that you want. I first worked with Spoonflower as a company in 2019 when I was launching a new pattern called Striped Scallops. And Spoonflower was launching their petal signature cotton. And so we partnered for that launch. And I got to design my own fabric for the first time in a repeat pattern. Before that, I had worked with their fabric uh, as wedding invitations for my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. They were handkerchief wedding invitations. And then I also worked on some some baby blankets for my my friends. Uh, but this was the first time it was in a quilt and I had got to design the fabric. And so I took my sketches, scanned them and put them into a repeat pattern. Again, with the design background, it wasn't too much of a leap for me. And then in 2020, Spoonflower approached me. They were launching this new ambassador program. And I had a really great time working with this company. Their values are aligned with mine. The idea that printing fabric on demand can be more sustainable than uh, some traditional ways of producing fabric. You're only getting the amount that you want. You don't need to produce you know, 3,000 yards or, or whatnot. And then also their commitment to diversity. It was also really important to me. So this was a really good fit. And I had been thinking about Spoonflower and wanting to work with them for a long time. And so this was a great opportunity for me to be able to push myself into a new audience and also pull people into quilting and Spoonflower and how to use that platform and use the Spoonflower products to achieve something that they're really happy with. And especially like I think that with quilters, we are a type of people that are quite sentimental and generous. And when we make things, we want them to be special and meaningful. And with Spoonflower, I've been able to make very special quilts for people. I am making it one coming up in the summer with a group of friends, old friends, but they want to make a, a baby quilt for a friend. And so they're going to make drawings and uh, I'll have them printed at Spoonflower and I'll make a special baby quilt for one group of the friends. It really does seem like it's a great way because quilts are such a personal thing, when, you, especially when you're gifting them. But to be able to have fabric that you've designed, I think it just takes the whole thing to a whole nother level when you're able to do that. Yes. And I think that, you know, even if you're not designing your own fabric, 
at Spoonflower, that marketplace is so huge that if you, let's go back to the cat example. If you have a friend who really likes cats, you could find so many different cat fabrics, which you could, at the store, you could find maybe a couple at a time. Right. But you could really be like cats. I'm going to search cats. I'm going to search yarn balls. I'm going to search pet paraphernalia. And mm-hmm. you could, you could really go, go deep into a theme. Yeah. No, it just feels like it's a place that, you know, not only are you going to get a wonderful looking project that's really unique, but you can feel really good about it because of the, you know, it is much more sustainable. And, um, you know, it, it does. There's nothing when you go there, you're definitely going to feel good about the product that you got. So tell us a little bit about your aesthetic, because you had mentioned that you were a little more modern. Do you dabble in art quilting as well? I do, and I don't know if I art quilting might be the right term because art quilting evokes something in a visual in me that may not necessarily speak to what I do. The way I would explain the work that I do in art would be that I produce art that is quilting and textile related or inspired. And so, for example, I have made works that use a quilting design, like a double wedding ring traditional pattern but in a completely different format that is on silk with cut up wedding dresses. So it's not a quilt. It's not a functional quilt, nor would it be, I don't, it wouldn't be, a, it's not layered. It is layered, but it's not stitched and layered like a quilt would be an art quilt would be, but it is textile art. So it's like a quilting adjacent art, if that's a term that I could use. And so I'm working on a public art project right now that will be custom printed a chiffon that will be photographed and then applied to a building. So transmuting the idea of what an art quilt is or what textile art is, those are all very loose definitions for me. And using tools at Spoonflower to be able to produce the vision in my head through the tools that I can use with Spoonflower printing is really, really great for my art practice. And what is the best way for people to find Spoonflower and then also to look up more information about you? So online, you can go to Spoonflower's website, spoonflower.com, and you can find them on Instagram at Spoonflower. And me, Andrea Sang Jackson, you can find at thirdstoryworkshop.com or on Instagram at thirdstoryworkshop. Can I just say, I was a Spoonflower sent me some of your fabric, and not only does it feel amazing, but it's just so beautiful. So thank you so much for that. I, I, it was a nice little surprise when I got a package in the mail and I had uh, the, the fabric to play with. So I'm really looking forward to playing with that. Have fun with it. Yeah, I will. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And I can't wait to go check out more stuff on Instagram. Thanks. Thank you. Visit www.spoonflower.com today. Whether you're ordering $5 swatches of our various quilting substrates or you're ready to take the plunge and purchase yardage for your next quilting project, you'll find exactly what you need in our marketplace. Be sure to check out one of our newest substrates, Cotton Lawn, ideal for quilting projects. Visit www.spoonflower.com to learn more. That's spoonflower.com. Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.